The scripture reading today is from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 18. Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I send Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him, because he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through the message, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it, and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack, and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I'm going to talk uh, today about church hurt. Church hurt is a phrase that uh, came into popular use within, you know, recent years. It's, a, it's a, a phrase that refers to ways that people have been wounded or hurt or disappointed through their involvement with Christian communities. Uh, sometimes people will use this phrase to describe their experience in a in a judgmental church, or a racist church, or a gossiping church, or a hypocritical church. Sometimes people use this phrase to explain um, their disillusionment with church leaders, maybe church leaders who have fallen into sin, or church leaders who manipulate people, or church leaders perhaps who preach false doctrine. So these, these are the, the different kinds of stories that people post on social media under the hashtag church hurt. And uh, as I said, church hurt is a fairly new phrase, but it is not a new phenomenon. You can, as you can see from, from today's passage, uh, since New Testament times, Christians have often been disappointed with other Christians. This, uh, this passage that we just heard Bonnie read for us is a portion of a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a young minister named Timothy. And in these verses, Paul reveals that he himself had been deeply hurt by the church. He he had experienced sorrow and and, and heartbreak over ways that other believers had let him down. And what I find amazing about this passage is that it shows that even though he had been hurt by other Christians, Paul still loved Jesus. Jesus. Paul still trusted Jesus, and, and, and he, still, he still remained co- uh, committed to the work of Christ in the church. And so the question that, that I, I just want to explore in this passage is, how did Paul do this? How, how did he, to use modern language, how did he survive church hurt and hold on to a passionate faith in Christ? 
So let's look at this. I want us to look at two things. First, let's look at Paul's pain. Let's look at his description of the way that he was hurt through uh, his involvement with, with others in the church. We'll look at his pain, and then let's look at his response to that pain. So you see a lot of pain in this, in this passage, um, and, and, and it's significant. When Paul wrote these words, he was uh, in prison in Rome awaiting his probable execution for preaching the gospel. So, so he wrote these words in a moment of great personal need. Let, let me ask you a question. When you are in a moment of great personal need, what do you want from the church. I'm going to guess you want, you want people to be there for you, right? And, and, and if that's the way you feel, that's, that's, it's not inappropriate to desire that from your church. You know, the Bible says that one of the, one of the chief responsibilities of Christians is to care for and to support other believers. Galatians 6 verse 2 says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. I wonder if you've ever had a burden and you just, you needed other believers to help you carry that. Maybe a burden of loneliness or a burden of grief or a burden of, uh, of illness. In a moment of great need, what you want from the church is you want people to be there, right? Well, in Paul's moment of great need, what happened? The answer he gives is that the church let him down. His, his community of believers fa failed him. At verse 16, he says, at my first defense, he's, he's referring to when he was on trial before the, the governing authorities for having preached the gospel. His very life is at risk. He says, at my first defense, no one came to my support. Everyone deserted me. He's, like, he's looking around for his friends. He's looking around for his church. Nobody was there. Now, some of the people who let Paul down in, in uh, this time of need, some of the people who let him down did so, to, to put this starkly, because of selfish decisions that they made in their life. You, Demas is an example of that. Verse 10, he says, Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. We don't know much about Demas. He's mentioned one other places in the New Testament. We don't know much about him, and we don't know what attractions of the world enticed him to walk away from the Lord and walk away from Paul. But apparently, Demas was someone for whom the pull of worldly pleasures was more important than the call to follow Christ, to follow Christ by serving others. And so, he made some selfish decisions. And those decisions resulted in pain for others, like Paul. Now, over the years, I've, I've known people in the church who have, been who have been hurt or wounded because of selfish decisions of other Christians, maybe the decisions of a Christian pastor or of a Christian parent or of Christian friends. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's happened to you. If it has, you know. It hurts, doesn't it? Other, other people um, let Paul down, not because of selfishness, not because of sinful decisions, just, just because they were busy. They were busy doing other things. And you see that at the end of verse 10. Cretans has gone to Galatia. Titus has gone to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. And, and then in verse, verse 12, he says, I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. Now, it's, listen, it's not that these people were doing anything wrong. I don't think they were. 
In fact, it's very likely that uh, Cretans and, and Titus and Tychicus, th that they were doing exactly what God wanted them to do. But nevertheless, their absence resulted in pain for Paul. He, ne he needed them, and they weren't with him anymore. We, we experience this sometimes when uh, people we love in church move away, right? We don't begrudge them their new job. We don't begrudge them their new home, right? It's, just, it's, it's not wrong for people to move on to a new season of their life, but nevertheless, it just, there's this pain that you feel. That's part, that's part of being involved in church. If you really get involved in church and you truly form deep friendships with other people, just give your, give your heart to them, right? Always hurts when they move. And Paul, Paul would have understood that pain. He experienced that himself. Perhaps the, uh, the greatest pain that he talks about here is what he describes in verse 14 and 15. He says this, Alexander, Alexander the metal worker, has done me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You, too, Timothy, should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. We, we, don't, we don't know who we don't know who Alexander the metal worker was. He's not referred to anywhere else in the Bible. We don't know anything about this man, but clearly this man, Alexander, he did something that deeply wounded Paul. Now, I, for years I read this passage, and um, I just assumed that Alexander the metal worker must have been a non-Christian someone from the pagan world, someone outside the church who had wounded Paul. I, I, I assume that because I just, I just thought, wait, no one in the church would ever intentionally hurt another believer. What a, what a wrong assumption, right? There's no reason to assume that he wasn't part of the church. You see, listen, some, sometimes people in the church do horrible things that wound other believers. I'm sure you've heard of people being sexually abused in the church or being swindled out of money in the church or being lied about by others in the church or being bullied by, by leaders in the church. It, it, we, so we don't know who Alexander the metal worker was, but the kind of pain that he caused, caused Paul sometimes is caused by church people. So this, this is a, a, the kind of pain that the Apostle Paul experienced through his involvement in, in the church of Jesus Christ. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that some of you here today, you, can, you really can't identify with some of the things Paul's listing. Maybe you've been wounded or disillusioned. Maybe you've been deeply disappointed through your involvement in church. Or you just feel that, that pain of loving people and seeing them, them move on. So Paul experience all that pain. Now, what I'm most interested in from this passage is his response. How, what was it about Paul's, Paul's response that empowered him to survive this hurt, continue to love the Lord, continue to serve Christ? What, what, what is it about his response? Well, let me point out a few things about how he responded. First, first you should notice from these verses that Paul talked about his pain, right? He, he didn't bottle it up. He didn't hold it inside. He didn't pretend, oh, none of these bad things ever happened. He, he, he wrote openly and honestly to Timothy about what, I mean, he names names here, right? He's very honest. I, I think this is important to remember. 
If you ever have a friend who comes to you and wants to talk about pain that he or she experienced in the church, listen, listen to me. Give your friend a chance to talk. Let them talk. So sometimes we feel like we, we, need to, we need to defend the institution. We need to advocate for the body of Christ. We need, we need to answer all the questions. Listen, if your friend is going to survive the hurt that he or she might have experienced in the church, don't you think that they need a listening ear? They, they, need, they, need, they need a chance to talk about this? Proverbs 18 verse 13 says, to answer before listening is folly, right? So don't respond to your friend with folly. Let, let them talk. Paul, so first we notice, how, how did Paul respond? He was open and honest, and he talked about his pain. Se- secondly, you'll notice that Paul refused to cut himself off from others. So some of us uh, have a tendency when we're hurt, we want to isolate just kind of curl up in a ball and, and, uh, and, and turn off the phone and don't let anyone contact us. It's just, we want to isolate, right? But notice here, notice what Paul says to Timothy, verse 9. He says, do your best to come to me quickly. <laughs> Timothy, get over here. I need you. I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be cut off from others. I don't want to be by myself. Do your best to come quickly. But verse 11, he says, get Mark. Bring him too. The more the merrier. Like, it's as if Paul just instinctively understood that, yes, even though he had been hurt by Christians, he still needed other Christians around him, right? And listen, do you know that whether you feel this or not, this is true for all of us. Hebrews 10, verse 24 to 25, some of you know these verses. It says this, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. If you ever spend some time with those verses and just tease out from those words all the benefits that come to us when we don't give up meeting together. It says, it says this, we spur one another on towards love. We spur one another on toward good deeds. It says that we encourage one another. Like encouragement and empowerment comes when we gather with other believers. So if you've been hurt in the church, and I'm assuming some of you have, if you're disillusioned or feeling somewhat alienated from the body of Christ, listen, I want to encourage you not to to give in to that instinct to cut off from everyone. Don't isolate yourself. Proverbs 18 verse 1 says, the one who isolates himself rebels against all sound judgment. It's just not a wise thing to do. So how did Paul respond to this deep hurt and disappointment in his life, brought about by other believers? First, he talked about it. He, he, he was open, right? He talked about it. Secondly, he stayed connected with others. And, and then third, Paul did not give up on the church. He didn't give up on the church of Jesus Christ. See, the Bible tells us that it, 1 Corinthians 12 says that the church is the body of Christ. In, in some sense, the, the, the hands of Christ in this world, the feet of Christ in this world, the eyes of Christ in this world are, are now, this is being enacted through the church. The church is the body of Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 3 says the church is the household of God. Where, where does God live? Well, God is everywhere, but there's a sense in which he, he resides in the community of faith in the church. 
It also says the church is the pillar and foundation of the, of the truth. Truth is built on and held up by what Jesus Christ is doing through the church. John chapter 3, Jesus referred to the church as his bride, expressing the idea there that he deeply, deeply loves his bride. Ephesians chapter 2 says that the church is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It, it, the, the, the community of faith gathered around the preaching of the gospel, looking to the, 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 the glories of Christ, that community is the place on earth where the Holy Spirit resides and makes His presence known. Now, the Apostle Paul, he knew all these things. He, he, knew, them, he knew them in a deeply personal way. Some, some of you have read the story in the book of Acts of Paul's conversion. Paul, before he became a Christian, his name was Saul at the time. He was a persecutor of the church. He hated Christians. He was persecuting the church. He's on the road to a place called Damascus to persecute Christians there. And on that road, Christ appeared to him in a vision. And Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Jesus didn't say, why are you persecuting the church? He was persecuting the church. He didn't say that. He said, why are you persecuting me? And I think at some deep level in that moment, Paul realized that Jesus loves the church so deeply, he identifies the church with himself. He, he said to Paul, listen, when you touch the church, you touch me. When you bless the church, you bless me. When you, when you forsake the church, you forsake me. He's, he had, so Paul understood the importance of the church of Christ. And so, listen, even though, yes, Paul had been church hurt. Paul had been hurt in the church. Paul had been hurt by the church. He never gave up on the church. As, 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 as the community in which the, the presence of God dwells in this earth, the, the institution through which God is working to bring the kingdom to this world. So, so you're saying, where do we see that in this passage, that he didn't give up on the, on the church? Well, you see it you see it in the context of this passage. These, these verses here appear at the end of a letter that was written by Paul to a pastor to empower that pastor to do what? To build up the church. The whole reason Paul wrote this letter was just to continue to help to build up the church. He never, he never gave up on it. In fact, in, in chapter 2 of, of uh, 2 Timothy, Paul said this. He said, I am suffering to the point of being chained like a criminal, but I endure everything for the sake of the elect. I endure everything, you could say, for the sake of the church, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So uh, Paul, Paul, I think, would say to anyone else who's just been deeply wounded in Christian community, I think he would just say, listen, don't, I know you're hurt, but don't give up on the church of Christ. Now, I, I want to be clear when I say this. This is not to say that we can never be critical of the church, of, of the church globally, the institutional church, or even express our, our, our concerns about our church locally. We're allowed, we're allowed to voice our complaints, aren't we? This is no kind of gag order. You can't complain about the church. Of course you can. And I'm not implying that there are never times when it's appropriate to move perhaps from one congregation to another. I think there may be times like that for people when that's appropriate. But just don't give up on the church. Jesus 
didn't, right? Jesus never will. In, in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, we read this. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. It's saying that Christ has committed himself to the church the way that a man commits himself to his bride when he marries her. I saw an Instagram post the other day. It said this. It said, no one has been hurt by the church more than Jesus, and he still shows up, right? So how did Paul respond? First, he was, he was honest. He talked about his pain, right? So secondly, he stayed connected with some others. He needed some people around him. Third, thirdly, he, he didn't give up on the church. And then fourth, the, the final thing I'll point out, this I think is most important. Paul kept his eyes on Jesus, kept his eyes on Christ. Verse 16, he says, at my first defense, no one came to my support. Everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. Verse 17, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it, and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. Verse 18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, I, I think the first three words of verse 17 change everything about this passage. Paul, Paul's, he's talking about deep pain and deep sorrow and deep even betrayal by other believers. But the, the first three words of verse 17 just changed the whole passage. So the first three words of verse 17 are, but the Lord. Verse, verse 16, no one came to my support. Verse 17, but the Lord stood at my side. Verse 16, everyone deserted me. Verse 17, but the Lord gave me strength. Verse 10, Demas loved the world. Verse 17, but the Lord delivered me from the lion's mouth. Uh, Crescens, Titus, Tychicus, they're all gone. But the Lord, verse 18, will rescue me from every evil attack. Alexander did me great harm, but the Lord, he says, will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. So no matter what else was going on around him and all the ways that he was hurt, Paul just said, you know what? But the Lord, the Lord is faithful. The Lord is good. He's never betrayed me. He never will. So what do we see in this passage? Paul's eyes were not focused on the people around him, were they? His, his eyes were focused on the Lord. So, sometimes um, when I hear of people who are so, so disillusioned with the church that they actually abandon their faith in Christ, so, sometimes I wonder if, if the truth is that they were never really trusting Christ. They were simply trusting the church. We want to avoid that mistake, don't we? Yet, yet, listen, yes, we should love the church, but trust in Jesus. Yes, pray for the church, but trust in Jesus. Yes, care for the church, but trust in Jesus. See, listen, at the end of the day, guys, the church is not our Savior, right? But Jesus is. Amen? 
He's our Savior. He's our shepherd. He's our elder brother. He's our closest friend. He's our bridegroom. You go, you go to a wedding, you see the bride walking down the aisle. You never see the bride walking down the aisle and she pulls out a mirror and starts looking at herself. Oh, how do I look? Is my hair nice? How's my makeup? Do I have any wrinkles? No, listen. Her eyes are on the groom, right? Now, the church is important. It's the bride of Christ. But listen, as members of the bride of Christ, guys, let's keep our eyes on the groom. Amen? And when you keep your eyes on the groom, no matter how much you've been hurt by the church, when you keep your eyes on the groom, you know what you notice? He's always smiling at you. Always. He loves you that much. So Paul ends these verses, notice in verse 18, he says, to him, to whom? To Jesus. To him be the glory forever and ever. Let's keep our eyes on the Lord. Amen? Would you pray with me? Father, I want to pray first for any, uh, any in here today who have been hurt or disappointed or let down through their involvement in church, and some may have deep, deep wounds. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will comfort them and that you will heal them and that you will give them grace to keep trusting Christ. I, I pray for those of us, and I include myself in this number, those of us who through our own folly or mistakes have been involved in hurting others in the church. I pray that you would cleanse and forgive and that you would, you would help us to learn how to love and care for brothers and sisters better. And I pray for us as a church at ACC, I, I pray that you'll help us to be the kind of, kind of congregation where we care more about loving each other and honoring each other than we do about building a big institution. I pray that we will be a church where it's okay to fail and be imperfect. I pray that you'll give us grace to be a church where the, the joy of grace in Christ will allow us to give lots of grace to each other. Would you do that in our community? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.